So hey there, and welcome to the fifth installment of the new feel, new look we've been had, where we discuss, or even debate, albums for your listening pleasure. I'm Keith Pilly. And I'm Chad Cook. And uh, the deal, of course, with the show is that we take turns picking an album, and then we talk about it. Uh, This time around, it was my pick. I'm reacting to what was breaking news a month ago, (laughs) and uh, sicking the two of us. On Van Halen's fifty one fifty, um, and I—I I don't know about you, I got a lot to say on on the matter of. Yeah, I mean, I think most importantly, it was released on my birthday in nineteen eighty six. Holy shit! Um, I mean, I had never never realized that before, but yeah, I that that's kind of a rad thing. To... Yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm that's... feel like I'm part of it. <laughs> and, uh, is that, and so like to just throw out the rest of the the tombstone info before we get into it uh released march 1986 on warner brothers produced by mick jones but the bad mick jones not the good mick jones um <laughs> some fucking dude named don landy who i know nothing about and then the band it is their seventh album the first with sammy hagar and uh Boy, are we going to get into that, too. Um, you know, so in terms of format, I always try to, you know, whoever picked it describes it. So to describe this one, it's tough to know where to start because how you describe it depends on how much the listener knows about Van Halen. If you don't know Van Halen, this is just Apex 80s hard rock with, like, big, cool guitars and, you know, big, cool drums and a singer so horny that he's going to explode. <laughs> If you do know Van Halen, then this is the first of the Van Hagar albums and probably the best one. And that's uh, that would be my description, I guess. Yeah, I might I might push back on the hard rock piece. Like, yes, yeah, so I mean it's what, there's a lot of synth on this album. There is a ton of synth that. Well, and so that was actually that's <laughs> a note that I've got later on, but I would be happy to bring it up up front. Is that like. For me, the greatest trick Eddie Van Halen ever pulled was when they were recording 1984. And he was just like, I, Eddie Van Halen, declare synthesizers rock now. Right. And like all of America's Heshers were like, okay, well, I mean, if Eddie says. Not only that, but he played the synth. Yeah, and played it like a motherfucker. Um. Which I guess is you know not surprising, given that given that Eddie Van Halen is a you know virtuoso musician, but it's I guess I always knew that there was a lot of synth in these songs, but my God, it it's like <laughs> it's more synth than guitar in some songs, definitely. Um, but I think it all sounds great. I'm yeah. here for the synths. I mean, I would, I guess I would prefer that it was recorded a little bit differently, um, so it had a little more of an edge to it. Uh, yeah. But, but um, it is, I mean, there are some great songs on this album, and I feel like, uh, you know, it was just kind of fun to go back and re-listen to them. I think this is a, I think, yeah, I mean, like, at bottom, my argument for anyone, for, for this album and for Van Halen is just, like, I don't know that it's important. I don't know that it's earth-shaking. I don't know that it changes the world, but it's just fun. Like yeah. It's fun in a way that... I, the Beastie Boys are the only other group I can think of that are like as purely 
fun centric as Van Halen uh, among like the groups that I like. Like, yeah, it's just it's interesting. Like, so in, in not being a, you know, like I I was a, a moderate Van Halen fan growing up, um, but I remember this there being this huge distinction of Van Halen versus Van Hagar, right? Yeah. Like it was this. And I mean, honestly, as I'm listening to this, I was thinking, like, what the hell was David Lee Roth doing? Like, why is he picking a fight with Eddie Van Halen, like, <laughs> to get kicked out of this band? Like, like I, I don't know that there's that there's that big of a difference between Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth. Uh, that's oh, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't feel oh, like. Oh, I think there's a huge difference. I think what what do you think the huge difference is? Um, so. On a technical level, I think Sammy Hagar is a much better singer. Like he has a way better range. He he can actually sing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think David Lee Roth is a much better entertainer. You know, he has no vocal range, but he knows how to put yeah, on a show. That's fair. And um, I, but I, so I, I think the bigger thing though is that Sammy Hagar isn't idiot who who's like a really good natured idiot you know he's like this rebecca pointed out he's like the the most positive man in rock and roll uh he's just like this happy horny fool um david lee roth so is david lee roth though right like uh, he's he's not as dumb he's i think he's a lot smarter um and not as positive like he'll be positive but he also has this level of menace that Hagar doesn't. But the big thing that I think is really important is that David Lee Roth is willing to just write stupid, fun songs and just let them be stupid, fun songs. You know, like, hey, I'm hot for teacher. Um, you know, I think he plays dumber than he actually is. And I think Sammy Hagar is like, I love this album, but Sammy Hagar is not a smart man and he's always like aiming smarter than he is <laughs> so like so that's a fair critique um i just i think as far as the van halen experience like if you're listening to the album i just don't i don't draw as big as distinction between the two as i as i did when i was like 16 like fair enough um you know i I think I think you know it's hard. To, it's I don't want to be the guy advocating that Sammy Hagar is not an idiot because he like totally is an idiot. But like context, you know, like most rock stars in the eighties are idiots. Like yeah, I mean he he is he, he being an idiot doesn't disqualify him at all. It kind of makes him the man for the job here. But it's to me like that's the difference between him and and Roth is that like Roth Roth is kind of nuts but he has some other deeper ambition going on and sammy hagar's ambition is purely like i'm gonna rock out then i'm gonna drink some tequila and like that's that i i don't disagree i just don't think it's like i don't think it's this like it's this like shift that people make it out to be that the music is totally different with like it's different but it's different because uh eddie van halen I mean, he added some synth on 1984, but, you know, he kind of embraces it. I guess my point is I think Eddie Van Halen is the driving force in this band that you could could put. And if I'm David Lee Roth, like how many millions of dollars do you think he he had to forego because he couldn't get along with either of the Van Halen brothers? 
you know, the, the psychology of David Lee Roth is a strange thing. And so, uh, like, just, you know, for anybody listening who doesn't know the full context, the band had done six albums with Roth and, you know, just gotten huge. Jump was a number one song. Um, 1984 was a huge-ass album. And, you know, and then Roth left. Um, I didn't know this until just today, but I love this, that they were having trouble finding, figuring out a replacement. And then Eddie was talking to the guy who was working on his Lamborghini and that guy said hey do you know Sammy Hagar he's he might be available so like the most amazing part of that story is that Sammy Hagar could afford a Ferrari that was serviced by that same guy (laughs) like well so (laughs) one thing I was gonna ask you about that is how much do you know about Sammy Hagar's pre-Van Halen career uh, almost nothing beyond I can't drive 55 like that's the only that I, somehow he was like on the periphery. Like I wasn't, I kind of stepped into the fandom when 5150 was like, you know, like this was the current album when I stepped in, but like somehow we knew about Sammy Hagar. Just, I don't know if like his tapes had been featured in the Columbia record club or something, but oh, like, probably, yeah. I like, I, I somehow knew of him as the guy who had a song called Dick in the dirt. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and again, it's like emblematic of Sammy Hagar that that song is exactly what it sounds like. If Ted Nugent's too subtle for you, <laughs> yeah, Sammy Hagar, he's your man. Oh, uh, I, you know, but so I mean, then the thing is, like, it's easy for me to want to shit on Sammy Hagar, but I love this album, um, and I think like his his utility as a lead singer in a band ends up getting accidentally proven by um, when he leaves and Van Halen replaces him with Gary Sharon and, like, it just sucks. And, you know, like, like if you want proof that Sammy Hagar is above replacement level, like, they tried. and Well, I mean, o- only if you're considering Gary Sharon to be replacement level. Like, if, if that's legit the best you can get. He's an extreme, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I've heard it argued that he's the best, like the technical best singer of the three Van Halen singers, and I'm, I'm not in any position to evaluate that. I guess I'll just, I'll just, I heard that, and maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I guess like it depends on how you, how you define technical, but yeah, like so, like you know, like I, I think. David Lee Roth doesn't have a ton of range to his voice, so maybe that's what. But as you say, like he does what you need him to do. Yeah, I mean, Sammy Hagar. Like I was actually surprised at how good of a singer he is on some of these songs. A, he just as, as a like the whole voice as an instrument thing. He has a good instrument and he knows how to use it. And I mean, just like the hello baby at the start, like it's corny as hell, but it's awesome, and you know, like. Not everyone could do that. I couldn't do that. And I, I think it does a good job of kind of like setting the tone for what you're in for for fifty one fifty, right? Like it's yeah. like it's like, oh, you want to take this seriously? Let me just diffuse that tension right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the, like that same song is the bit. Uh, what do you make of the bit in the middle of that song where he, like the hey waitress, wreck a what? I don't like it. It's stupid and it's awesome. Like, 
is yeah, my take at least. So I, I'm trying to decide if that, like, I kind of hope they ad lib that and that's not scripted because, <laughs> like, if they yeah. scripted that, that's like the saddest thing in the world, right? Yeah. Like, Agreed. But if it's ad libbed, it's awesome. Yeah. At least I think. I'm, yeah. I'm here to... It's, uh, it, you know, I don't, I, I guess, I, have you ever seen Van Halen live? Yeah. Saw them in 2004, and that was a Sammy tour. Who plays the synth when they play live? Eddie. He does? Yes. It's fucking, it's unreal. I would think they would bring somebody else in for that. That's not the Van Halen way. Yeah, but you're like, you're like, you're not going to the, it's like, you don't, I'm not going to the concert to see, you know, Jimi Hendrix play drums, right? Like. It's, it's nuts. They would like have it rigged so that he could play synth and then step back. And Hagar plays guitar too, so then he Hmm. could. You know, he could be playing, um, you know, he could play a rhythm part while Eddie played, you know, like, I don't know. It was, it was nuts. I don't think David Lee Roth plays the guitar, does he? No. Yeah. That was, so that was, I've seen that argued as another thing that Hagar brought to the band. Um, And, you know, like, I mean, kind of, I don't know, kind of. Yeah. so I, I feel like Van Halen is just an interesting thing on its own because you have you have this amazing guitar player, but what separates Van Halen from being you know Joe Satriani is this like you know not just the technical guitar, but the whole thing that encompasses more of a. So it's not just like some guy showing you that he can just kick the shit out of a guitar, right? Like yeah. he's like the whole thing just works as a as a finished product. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think a big, I think like, I think Alex Van Halen is as good a drummer as Eddie is a guitarist. Like, like that's, you know, and like there are a bunch of Van Halen songs where I'm just, I'm as nuts about the drum part as I am the guitar part. I mean, like on, on this one, like get up is just this fucking clinic where Alex is just killing the set. Um, I think from my understanding of the history of the band, I think that, Originally, Eddie and Alex could have become a Satriani type combo thing, and like I think that's what Roth brought in was this sense of like whimsy. Yeah, like you know, like suppose at least according to Roth, and you know he's definitely not a, an impartial observer, but you know to hear him tell it, they were just like working. You know, they would just like put on shows. Um, stone-facedly playing cream covers note for note and like trying to wow people with their chops and uh you know and according to roth he's the one who came in and said guys we gotta put on a show whoa and you know and i it i'll accept that story to some level at least um you know and so then i think like sammy hagar gets the uh gets to step into this like machine that's finely tuned between kicking ass and also just being silly and stupid and yeah. it, it, I think though that balance is what makes them awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, like the same reason I don't I don't want to go sit and watch a Nils Klein concert. You know, like yeah. like it's just not it's not fun. Like, it's like this just bloodless technique <laughs> with no and at the same time, like groups that for me, like groups that are just silly and stupid with nothing musical, like you know, I 
I will always hate the presidents of the United States of America just because all they had was, hey, we're dumb. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that. I don't need that. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's just, it's balance. Like, it, yeah. you know, like, you don't, I don't know what, that, and I think I said this last time, but what for me makes Van Halen fun is that they don't seem to take themselves too seriously. Yeah. And maybe that's the, you know, Michael Han- Anthony slash Dave Lee Ross slash Sammy Hagar role is to kind of, is to kind of, you know, add some, I don't know, meatheadness to the, yeah, the operation. I, I agree. And I, I think that's like, like where Hagar edges into trouble is he, he, I, he can try to take himself seriously and like, it's never good. You know, like I, w- one of my big notes here, um, just about him in general is that like, he sings really well, but like, he's a guy where like listening to what he's saying, it, it, it you never gain anything by actually understanding what he's saying. And like love walks in is like, it sounds like this nice Midland Van Halen jam. And if you listen, like Sammy, for some reason is telling you his highbrow, awful science fiction story about a man fucking an alien. And like, <laughs> and, and he's, I, I, I don't think he's smart enough to be like, I don't think it's a joke. I think he's like, no man, I got a great story to tell you. Um, you know, but like, it took me 20 years to like penetrate that that's what he's trying to do. So it's not like it cripples the song. Yeah. I, I had an interesting thought while I was listening to it today, listening to a uh, best of both worlds. Like, yeah. I think in, in an alternate universe, that would be like a really good ACDC song. Yeah. Like if you had, you know, if you had like Bon Scott singing lead on that song, like, and it was mixed in the yeah. ACDC style. I think it would be a, I, I mean, it's a good song now, but I think it could be a great song if you. Yeah. You know, that's uh, two things. I, I totally agree. And like two things with ACDC. I wish that, I wish all the Van Halen albums were recorded, you know, like just having Eddie's technique with that crunchier ACDC sound would be like more to my taste. Uh, but also, like, I, I think there's this weird parallel thing where, like, not too many bands got to be huge and managed to reinvent themselves with a new lead singer and pulled it off. And ACDC yeah. is the other one, you know? And, like, I, I I think, interestingly, like, with both bands, the first album with the new lead singer is kind of the one that I like the most. And I'm not sure... I don't know if it's because, like, the new guy comes in with something to prove or, or what, but... You don't get the... It doesn't... Well, I mean, I guess I don't know that many rabid ACDC fans because they're probably in their 60s, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, I don't feel like you get that same divide of, oh, no, 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 I'm a Bon Scott ACDC fan. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. You know, fuck anything recorded after 1982 or whatever <laughs> I think that I think that sentiment exists. I have heard I've heard it now and then, or I guess I've seen it typed on the internet now and then. But it's definitely it's nowhere near like the Van Halen situation. I mean, I guess I'm that way too. Like, I mean, I'm you know, like I'm fuck anything recorded after I don't know who made who. Like, yeah, the returns diminish pretty. So fucking ACDC apparently a new album came out. You know, they I, I think last time we talked I think they had had a new single. Now an entire new album is out in the past few days. Why? 
I don't know. I haven't heard it. I don't. I'm not gonna hear it. But I've heard people saying like, "Oh my God, it's so much better than it should be." It's ACDC's back, and I'm like, should they be? I mean, I guess if they want to be, but yeah, I just. I mean, if your rhythm guitarist has to retire due to dementia, like yeah, like that. Like, what do you need the universe to tell you? Like, yes, exactly. I don't know. Uh, I, uh, but it just—it's interesting to me how like it seems like maybe it's be- maybe it's because people just like David Lee Roth better than Sammy Hagar. Maybe that's what causes the like. I think there's some of that. You know, like just because Sammy Hagar is kind of a butthole. There's like a. Although I mean I I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but reading between the lines, it it seems like Eddie Van Halen is kind of a butthole too. Eddie Van Halen seems like a very. Yeah, he seems like he could have been a butthole. He at least had a very like particular personality, and you know I can understand not getting along with David Lee Roth. <laughs> like or I think Sammy Hagar. Yeah, yeah I, I, Roth I think is fascinating, but I think he would be a lot just to have to deal with you know like on a drive to Cub, and I can't imagine going on tour with the guy. No, I'd be like having Flavor Flav in your band. You're just like, yeah. I mean, it's just like a random number generator. Like yeah. okay. My my impression of of Eddie Van Halen is more than anything he just seems like this introverted guy who really just wanted to fuck around with guitars and like things that interfered with that would piss him off. Yeah, and I think it's probably hard to be that caliber of a musician and trying to be performing in the eighties in the like yeah. hard rock space where you 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 just have a lot of people that are just there to party and. Yeah. You know, like, I think he just is, he probably, it's probably hard for, it was probably hard for him because he's so much, so much better musically than a lot of other people. It's. Yeah. I read this, one of the profiles of him after he died talked about, um, I think it was, I think it was Chuck Klosterman. I can't remember for sure, but quoted him as saying that like in the eighties, his big thing was, yes, he did a lot of speed and Coke but it was excuse me ah how dare you sorry it was he, sorry he'd step get, on your touchdown call motherfucker he'd get all um he'd get all cranked up and just go and like use that energy to play guitar instead of going out to you know and he said like like cocaine was an important part of my process but it was my musical process and not my partying process and like i that that seems to be true like you know i don't i don't think there's any whitewashing there i don't think he's I don't know. It just it, he seems like a weird dude. Who like, I think you'd have to be a weird dude to be what he was. Yeah, just I I I, I do wonder about that because I it, it feels like profe- well I mean they're professional musicians so they should be good at it but like you know you think about like Bob Dylan you know playing most of his shows high Jimi Hendrix playing on you know heroin yeah. like. How do, how do they even function, much less, you know... I don't know. You know, I, I, on some level, I think, like, a different part of your nervous system is doing the work. <laughs> it's this weird thing. I, um... I don't know. I've got all these notes about just Van Halen as a guitarist, and, like, it's... It, it really... It's been really fascinating, like, prepping for this to, like go back and listen close. Like when he died, everyone talked about like, Oh, he changed the guitar with his tapping technique. And like the, the tapping is cool, but I think there's actually a lot more 
to just what made him great. Like he was the biggest thing. Like he was super particular about getting a very specific tone out of his amp that he'd call the Brown sound that I just like, I love the name. Um, I think he had this really specific technique of having his pickups be just hot as fuck so that like if he touched a string, he'd get a useful noise out of it. And so I think he's getting away with not actually playing chords that often. I think it's usually just one or two strings that, you know, are putting out so much noise that like, that's the sound. And the the weird thing is the other guitarist I know who does that is Willie Nelson. And like, you don't normally think like, yeah, Eddie Van Halen, Willie Nelson, same space, but right. very kinda. similar styles That's, in every only, aspect of life. If only they'd worked together. Uh, yeah, I guess know, I, I guess I, I don't know when I listen to him play, I'm just amazed at how, like how clean he's able to play. Like, yeah, like just, I mean, it's like, it, it's almost like the tape is sped up or something, but it's perfectly yeah. in time. Like it, he just is so, he's so good at that, like, you know, just that, like, these hugely technical solos and, and you know, like, not in an annoying way. I don't know yeah, if that makes sense. Well, that's, yeah, I, that like, he had this great sense of arrangement to be able to, like, put, you know, these hugely technical solos in, but go into them and come out of them in ways that, like, fit the vibe of the song. And I, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's fucking unearthly. And he's also loved to make his guitar whinny like a horse. And like, who doesn't? Who do- yeah, <laughs> if you can do that, why not? It's uh, it, it's like the distinction of of being able to arrange songs like that is one of the differences between being in Van Halen and being in Nitro. Yeah, totally. I think that's. I think it's interesting too that like I I would not have caught this at all in the uh, in the eighties. You know, I, I wouldn't have caught this at all until the past couple of years. But it's interesting to me that like the the Eddie Van Halen skill set and the Prince skill set are actually like there's a lot of overlap. I mean like Prince could sing really well and Eddie could sing backups really well, but they're both fucking top tier guitar players. They're both fantastic arrangers. Um, you know both excellent composers Uh, it's just it's interesting to me how like there's you know this 80s star package that uh, i guess it was just the two of them but still (laughs) you just wouldn't you wouldn't think about it that way though in the 80s you wouldn't be like yeah you know i just it it uh it's one of those i don't know it's part of the problem is i think well, it's not really a problem, but Van Halen got lumped in to kind of a strange space of being part of this, like, hard rock slash heavy metal group. Yeah. Where you're not, you know, I don't know that you're getting this, you're getting the same, like, I don't know. This is a different fan base that's interested in a different set of things. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we started the show kind of bouncing off of that and never resolved it. Like, where the hell would you actually categorize them like are they hard rock are they metal are they hair metal what the fuck are they yeah all i think um (laughs) it's uh they're difficult to classify it i don't know that there were a lot of i mean a lot of other bands that were playing kind of a hard rock style but having a deep synth you know kind of undercurrent to their songs 
Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another example of that, that style of, I mean, I guess you have to, you're probably not, you probably have to find another band that has a like really good keyboard player. I, I can think of one very like almost one-to-one comparison, but you're not going to like it. At if you all. say the doors, I'm going to drive over to your house. <laughs> no, although that argument's there to be made, but I was thinking rush. One guitar, bass, keyboard, drums. See, I, 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 honestly thought, I thought Rush was a three-piece. I didn't even know they had a keyboard Not, player. They are a three-piece. Three They're just all so good that they can each dabble in keyboard enough to equate a fourth person. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we've had this argument enough that, like, like, I'm just never going to be as enamored with Rush as you are. I like, don't even think I'm enamored. I just, I appreciate... There are qualities I appreciate. Look, look. I mean, if you if you can play music and solve a math problem at the same time, that's good on you. It's just not interesting to me personally. Man, you find yourself in the forest when there's trouble. You're going to be in deep shit. So that song alone should be grounds for their like dismissal. Like, you know, they they try it. So I mean, that that song is a great example. Of the problem I was talking about with Sammy Hagar, of someone writing lyrics, kind of aiming smarter than they really were. That's like the, if you heard the Ozzy Osbourne song, Thank God for the Bomb, like that's yeah. what I think of when I hear the, the trees. Like. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. They, they meant well. <laughs> they tried. Um... So uh, just I had a couple other notes about uh, you know on on the topic topic of Eddie Van Halen the the person. One thing that I think is really interesting is that we all call him Eddie. You know, like I I never thought of this until just today, but I think part of why he was this beloved figure was that you know since we all have this nickname for him and call him by his first name, it, you know, it kind of makes him within the like rockin' community. It makes it feel like yeah, he's your Hesher pal. Yeah, yeah, me and Eddie. Kind of folksy. Yeah, and there's like all these weird like stories about him, you know, like I I just, I remember being young and hearing like crazy Eddie Van Halen stories. Oh, he had a bug in his ear. They had to pull it out. That kooky Eddie. Isn't uh, Eddie the name of the skeleton from Iron Maiden as well? He is a a ghoul, you bastard. A ghoul? Yes, he's a ghoul. What is the technical difference between a, a skeleton and a ghoul? Um, some, some remaining flesh. Okay. I see. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, don't know. I mean, was there a divide in the like hard rock, heavy metal, like which yeah. team, which Eddie are you on? Are you who's, on who's Maiden the real Eddie, Eddie or, uh, <laughs> or Van Halen Eddie? Yeah. They should have, the, the, the two bands should have had like a hockey game or something to settle who got, <laughs> I don't know. That'd be I, pretty sweet. Although... <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what the maybe soccer. That might be the yeah. Hockey was probably kind of a poor choice. Oh, um, so the other thing about Eddie Van Halen, and I guess this is also about Alex Van Halen. Like I was, I was you know I was pretty into Van Halen by sixth or seventh grade, um, and watched MTV all the time. And I, I, there's this weird thing where like I remember observing in the eighties that. 
Eddie and Alex had darker complexions than the rest of the band. But there's so much just whiteness projected on a hard rock that, like, I was always just like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, like, I was deep, deep into my adulthood before I found out that their mom was Indonesian. And, like, that, like, dealing with racism was actually, like, a core part of their experience. Now they ended up in L.A. and, like, you know, just shit that they had to deal with, you know, until they were famous. And, like... I had no, not only did I have no idea, but like, I, it's just weird to me that there was like this cultural thing that just, you know, like it's just, they're just fucking Van Halen. They're like the, the patron band of the white high school parking lot. I don't know. That's, that's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, that might also be a, the, the fan base probably isn't the most tolerant fan base in the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there is not a lot of, I don't know. I'm trying to think of. Maybe Slash? I'm trying to think of any, like, yeah. any, uh, you know, I don't know. Does he count, like, Bad Brains? Does that count as a... You know, Bad Brains, they're an interesting, interesting case because they were kind of, you know, they were pretty underground. And were they underground because white kids didn't want to listen to them? I, you know, I mean, or were they underground because they just fucking thrashed? <laughs> Yeah, I don't some, know. Some of A, some of B. I don't know. It's, uh, it's that's a yeah. I mean, that, that's a weird. It's that kind of predates our era, so it's hard to. Yeah, it's, it's a little hard to. It, maybe it doesn't predate our era, but it like that music wasn't accessible when we were growing up. Yeah, it definitely. For being given the rate of cultural penetration into the rural Midwest, it predates our. Era. You're correct. Yes. But, we, this is a derail, but we were just watching the uh, Beastie Boys documentary. Um, have you seen this? It's on Apple TV and it's... No, it's on, it's on my list. I've not seen it yet. It, it rules. Um, so it, it's Better than rock. Crush Groove? It is much better than <laughs> Crush Groove, yes. It's, uh, you know, it, it's Mike D and Ad Rock um, just kind of on a stage telling the story of the Beastie Boys and... There's just this cool part where they talk about, like, going to see Bad Brains and, like, being the annoying kids at a Bad Brains concert. And, like, I don't often wish that I had grown up in New York, but, like, shit like that and the way they present it makes it seem like it would have been just fucking cool as hell to grow up in New York and be able to be the annoying kid at a Bad Brains concert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for every... Bad brain show that you go to though, there's gonna be you're gonna go to a, a lot of shitty ones too, like yeah. But I mean, still like, <laughs> you know, my my Omaha equivalent of that was being the annoying kid at a three eleven show. It's true. I was in on the ground floor with helmets or something like that. You know, <laughs> different different scenes, different options. Yeah, oh. I mean, I. I have still never gotten that, like, I, that experience of, like, going to see a band and then having them just, like, catapult to stardom. Yeah. Like, yeah. Were I mean, you... Were you into the Honey Dogs at all? Like, yeah. in turn yeah. of the century? Like, do you remember the stretch? There, there was, like, this little stretch in the Twin Cities where, like, all the hype was, like, the Honey Dogs are about to blow up. And yeah, like, I mean that that would have been that probably would have been my shot. Um <laughs> and then it didn't happen. 
um, I don't know. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, that was, I, I was in such a weird, like, alt country rabbit hole that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have yeah. been able to, you know, like there could have been great music coming out. I mean, I could, realistically, I was living in Minneapolis when the like rhyme sayers and all that stuff popped off. I just yeah. wasn't involved in any of it. No. Yep. So. Oh, well, it's still unclear if, if Doom Tree and Rhyme Sayers are two different things, or what the... My... So, I, I, I might be showing my ass. My understanding is Rhyme Sayers is, at this point, the label in the community, and Doom Tree is a band within the label in the community. Ah. But I could totally be wrong. I just... It's... But I mean, it it really is a scene that kind of has exploded, and I yeah, you know, like I was living here while it exploded. I just didn't really was not aware of it. So. Uh, you know, for me, it's worse. I was aware of it, but I was like contemptuous of it, and I don't even know why. I I think like because I was like, oh, uh, fucking, they, rap. I don't know. They 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 weren't playing alt country, and I wasn't having that. Yeah, anyway. well, that's. No, it. Uh, I. Uh, I don't know. I I really enjoyed going through these though. I, these songs were really fun to. Yeah, they're. To. I. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I listened to Fifty One Fifty. It it's been. Probably at least twenty years. Seriously. Yeah. Oh man, this is this album for me. Like, it's a warm weather album. Like, I don't normally listen to it when it's cold, but like if it's out, if it's warm out, I just. I love to have this on if I'm working, if I'm, you know, when we painted some Adirondack chairs this summer, like, we listened to this album just about every session, and, like, love to put it, you know, I love to have it on when I'm riding my bike. It's just, it's a great, like, summer hangout yeah. album, I think. I if, In fact, so one of my, you know, when I've got notes for songs, my, my note for Best of Both Worlds, I feel like I just kind of figured out the whole album, that, like, it's a great... For me, like, that song just has this great hangout vibe and, like, makes me think the whole album has this great hangout vibe. And, like, uh, it, musically, it's like the equivalent to the movie Dazed and Confused, you know, where it's just it's just pleasant to hang out in its presence. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. It's, uh, I mean, so typically, typically when we do these, I spend a lot of time kind of analyzing the lyrics and things like yeah. that and, like, Nice. Don't need to do that here. Yeah, I think again, like you're gonna read about Sammy fucking an alien. Then if you do that, you don't want that. I um, what do you think about the song "Summer Nights"? Summer nights in my radio. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would not before I listened to this. I would not have been able to identify that song for you. Oh. I I love the uh, I love the guitar in the beginning of it. Yes, that's like, so just like great fucking everything you said. Like great fast technique that does not sound showy. It's more just like this just molten guitar thing melting off of his hand, which yeah. sounds kind of lewd. But. I I just wonder what is like like it must be weird to be that good at something. Like, yeah, it must be just really 
strange to be, you know, like the best of something of your generation. Well, it must be really frustrating then because like, you know, like that thing would matter to you. And that everyone you talk to about that thing is going to be worse at it than you. You know, like, like, so Sammy Hagar could play guitar too. And he joins the band and like, okay, great. They can do a little more arrangement, but like, not that Sammy Hagar is a bad guitar player, but he's just a normal fine guitar player. And like, if you're Eddie Van Halen, you must just be like, you poor stupid child. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, so, I mean, I, at least, at least if you're getting that, you're getting it from Eddie Van Halen. It's not like, uh, you know, like Billy Corrigan, like, like recording all of the Smashing Pumpkin parts himself. And then, you know, like dictating to you how you play it at the live shows. Like, yeah, none of that. One thing that I think is interesting about just talking about Van Halen in the studio and like a ghost that haunts all of our shows so, like, my understanding is that Van Halen never, ever did, like, you know, Billy Corgan style, layer, 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 that they were really focused on, like, we're going to get in, we're going to record as close to live as possible, minimal overdubs, get out. Um, apparently, the Minutemen, like, loved Van Halen, and Mike Watt would talk about how much he admired the way Van Halen jammed a Cano. And, like, that is wild to me, but pretty cool. Yeah, I guess it, it, it sort of depends on how you define Jam Econo. Like, I don't think of I, I don't think of a Van Halen show as, like, an exercise in economy. <laughs> but, uh... You know, I, I think he was purely talking about the studio. Yeah. But, it's, yeah, yeah, it's... I mean, I, I will say, as someone who, you know, spent my formative years listening to music in the nineties, uh, you know, like learning that the smashing pumpkins didn't sound like that live was really a disappointment <laughs> to me. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it was a lesson in studio trickery. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't, you, unless you have a hundred guitar players, it's tough to stack a hundred <laughs> guitar parts on top of each other. Yes. Which would be I, an interesting way to try to deploy that. But, you know, like, well, so there's, there's this dude Glenn Branca who would do like guitar orchestras, hmm. um, and it always sounds cooler to me in theory. Like every time I've been like, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna check this out tonight. Like I I always I'm always like, oh god, no, this ain't for me. But like it it's does like seem Herb like in the Tijuana Brass. You're like, yeah, I could get into this, and then you're like, yeah, I'm a- uh, this is for someone else. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a lot of that. Um Oh, what have I got here? I bleh. Another thing that I just like about the band in general that I realized I, I should have said this up front. Um I, I realized that, like for me, like with bands that I like, like I really, really like Van Halen. But like they're kind of the only band for me that I'm still the same kind of fan that I was in eighth grade. You know, like I'm this like casual greatest hits fan who loves them a lot. Like, you know, like I cannot tell you what the deep cuts from most of the albums that aren't 5150 are, but like, but I love them. Track three. OU 812 go. Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) I mean, you know, like 
I Uncle Duplo, I have an opinion on every song on every album. <laughs> Van Halen, like, a couple songs on every album. Uh, most of the albums, not all, some. Yeah, I think I, I think we would have to we'd have to look into your mental health if you had an opinion on every band, <laughs> every song. Like, yeah, that would. But but you know what I mean? There are there are kind of like two different modes of loving bands, and like, it, it's easy for me. It's easier now to get into this. Like, I I'm going in deep. I'm gonna explore every crevice. I'm gonna know the territory, and like. The way I feel about Van Halen is more like the way I felt, you know, when you're getting tapes from Columbia Record Club. And it's just like, well, I like this one, and I like this one, and I don't know what the rest is, but I don't care, because I like those two. I mean, I love Husker Du, and I, I can't listen to their, like, first five albums. Yeah, yeah. That's a special case, though, where they kind of... <laughs> I, they, I, they were unlistenable. <laughs> yeah, they're just, just objectively terrible. Like, I don't... <laughs> What do you think you do if you're like a let, let's say so we were talking earlier about Iron Maiden so like yeah like you think there's someone who's conversant in every track of every Iron Maiden song Oh I I know it I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that I could do a couple texts and get a guy to join us on the Skype call I mean just I, I think metal bands actually like are more conducive that to that than anyone else. Like, you know, like where the, you get your band and you just, you know, the catalog. Yeah. But I mean, what if your band is like striper? Like <laughs> then you're an idiot. And you, <laughs> you deserve what you're getting. Winger or something. Winger. I, uh, I am proud. I, I had a friend of mine in high school was into winger enough to have a t-shirt and i'm proud to say i never like crossed wasn't, that line wasn't the one of the guys in winger like a trained ballet dancer or something that was winger I right i don't know i i'd believe it i mean like bands like that always had all kinds of weird shit hanging around them was What's it was the, it oh the only one i know is kip winger yeah um, i don't know so this is a this is like a half remembered thing from like a behind the music, uh, like VH1 show that I saw. I, it's uh, it's just in my it's kicking around my brain somewhere that that's that that's true. It's probably not. It's probably. I'd absolutely believe it. I mean, it it's very in line with '80s metal. So bringing us back in, talking about uh, '80s, just talking about you know. 80s VH adjacent bands. Did you did you listen to Van Halen much back in the day? Or I did, but I I almost exclusively listened to them on uh like tapes that were dubbed by other people. Okay. So like I think the first so like I got uh 1984 as part of like a BMG or Columbia House um you know kind of like 10 for 1 type deal. Yeah. And then I think I got, I think, did they release like a live album? Yeah. In the like 90s. a double live album? Yeah. So I think I got, I had that one as well. But I mean, when I was li- listening to it in high school, it was mostly tapes that I was, uh, yeah. I mean, shit, I don't think I owned a CD player <laughs> until, until I was like a senior in high school. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to think about, but. 
Oh yeah, it's weird. I um, I was I was really from like, you know, from fifty one fifty times through the rest of junior high and high school. I was really into Van Halen. You know, I was like super into fifty one fifty, super into OU eight one two when it came out, super into Fuck when it came out. <laughs> So I kind of, I always wanted to be more into it because like uh, a bunch of my high school friends have this kind of like pantheon story where they, uh, they like decided to, they like camp out at Ridgedale Mall for Van Halen tickets. Okay. Um, and like they, (laughs) so, uh, our friend Jeff Greenwood was kind of the ringleader of this operation. And, like, so he had organized this, like, he called, at the time, it would have been Dayton's, where they were buying the tickets from, because they yeah. had, like, a ticket window for some reason. Yeah. And asked him when they when he could start camping out for tickets, and they said, whenever you want. But they had not, clearly not, oh, not no. like, cleared that with Ridgedale security. So, oh, like, no. they, they spent this kind of, like, epic night, like, dodging this, like, <laughs> this, like, Ridgedale <laughs> rent-a-cop. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so I, uh, I'd always kind of, always kind of lamented that I wasn't part of that. Wish that you could live up to. Uh, the, the The weird thing to me is like I was, you know, even in high school, like I could tell that like OU eight one two wasn't as good as fifty one fifty, and fuck wasn't as good as OU eight one two, but you know, but I still like I loved all three. It was like you know, it plus all the the Roth catalog, and then like went to undergrad. Got more punk and alt country and like, you know, just wanted nothing to do with Van Halen for years. But the wild thing to me is that like, what kind of got me back into them was when Rebecca and I started dating and like, she was super into, into 5150 in particular. And like, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, we're talking. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I love that too. That. And, like, it's this weird thing because, like, this album is sexist as hell. And, like, Van Halen <laughs> is sexist as hell. And Rebecca is, like, very much, like, flag-in-the-air feminist. Um, but, like, this, like, just the stupid funness of this is, you know, she's, like, as on board for this as anyone I know, even when Sammy's yelling rack-a-what at the, at the waitress. <laughs> I don't know. It's the magic of Van Halen. Yeah, it's uh, it, you know, it's it's uh, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> I um, uh, yeah, no, I, I I just think it's uh, it's sort of like uh, I don't know when uh, Mermaid Avenue came out. Jeff Tweedy had some quote where he's like. You know, you look through Woody Guthrie's lyrics, and at some point, you just decide, like, you know, you can't apologize for Woody. Like, he just, (laughs) he just is who he is. Yeah. I think that's, that is the appropriate way to to look at it. I, um, what was I going to say? I guess, were you, like, did you give a shit as the albums came out? Or were you just like, ah, it exists? I'm in a parking lot. I hear some music. Not really. Um, so I'm trying to think of the 
you know, so like, I, I don't know. I had kind of an interesting, so I sort of went from just listening to classic rock to like, you know, kind of the, like the nineties alternative wave. Um, and then yeah. like sugar and things like that. Yeah. So I didn't have the, I don't know. I, I don't think I was as into like, like cutting edge popular music as a lot of people were in yeah. when these albums were coming out. Yeah. I think it's interesting too that like this Van Halen has this weird thing. I don't know. They just had this weird like the the crew I moved in was also not generally into like cutting edge popular music. But there was like this weird weird um exception carved out for Van Halen. Like I it's it's really weird to think about. You got this this gang of nerds who are like, yeah, REM, I love REM. Yeah, you too. They're taking music to strange new places. And fucking Van Halen, dude. And like I don't I don't know. It's just I, I don't know what it was. But I also like that seems to ex- that same exception seems to exist among musicians. I mean there's there's already the thing about the Minutemen being into Van Halen. Um, do you remember that band in the 80s, Aztec Camera? They uh-uh. were They were like this, I don't know, they were an alternative band from the 80s, and they did this, like, chill cover of Jump that was pretty good, and, like, just very, like, 80s, you know, early alterna doing Jump. And there's this lounge group now or you know ironic lounge group now called the bird and the bee that has an entire album of just covers of van halen songs and it's pretty good and i don't know there's just you know like van halen seems to have this thing where like they attract other musicians to come in and cover and take your shot so i mean i don't know that i'd want to go to a concert of somebody performing loungy van halen covers (laughs) but like I want to be at a bar where that band is playing, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's a pleasant listen. It's not, I I would love to, if I saw they were playing at the turf, I would go for sure. I I, I would not go to see them at first half, but you know, if they were at the Driftwood on Nicollet, I'd be, I'd be running out the door. Speaking of this, is the Driftwood still operating as a COVID speakeasy or is that? Well, so they, they're above the table right now, and I think they're preparing to go back under the table <laughs> as the rules change again. Um, yeah, it sucks because like I, one of my goals for the year was to hang out there more and like, I, you know, not the year for that. No, that's. I mean, I think twenty twenty is the year of punted goals. Yes, across the board. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's funny. Oh, a couple other songs on here I just wanted to bounce off you. Yeah. What did you, what do you think of Dreams? Um, so I'm trying to appreciate Dreams as like a, as like a anthem type song and not view it as like a TED talk. <laughs> but it, so like, it's i oscillate between it being like aspirational like kind of affirming and it being annoying to me so it it sits right on the line like most of the time i appreciate it i really like 
great solos on there, two of them. Um, but yeah, like like it's so like. Do you remember that there were two videos for it? There was like the straight Van Halen video, and then the Air Force made their own video to it. That's all like planes being inspirational, and like of course, of course they would for that song. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who runs the marketing for the U.S. military, but, like, they are not getting top-level, like, ad <laughs> talent. Like, you know, like, uh, yeah, like, be an army of one. Like, okay, what the hell does that mean? Isn't that the opposite <laughs> of what it means to be in the army? <laughs> I guess that's, what, maybe that was their point. Like, the army's not what you think, man. <laughs> It's nuts to think about the 80s, though, and think about, like, how much pop culture, military marketing. there. You know, you've got, you've got the Air Force doing a Van Halen video. Um, Top Gun is just straight up a Navy recruiting movie. Um, did you ever see that movie, The Final Countdown? It's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah Where well, that aircraft carrier goes back to Pearl Harbor? Yeah, it's kind of a rad science fiction movie, but it's also totally a navy recruiting movie it's literally it's it's like we're gonna make up a cool science fiction story and tell you exactly how an aircraft carrier works and here's what this guy does and here's what this guy does yeah i mean the the dumb thing is they could have done that in period because they had aircraft carriers in world war ii but ah <laughs> oh, but they weren't cool like the like the 80s aircraft carriers i mean the dumb thing is like it is like oh we just shot down two japanese zeros like yeah, no shit. You've got, you know, like 50 years of technology. <laughs> Man, that, I kind of love that movie. Like Charles Durning's like the, the kooky senator is like, rocket planes. I saw rocket planes. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's good. It's, uh, I, I don't know. That's so it was just such a weird time in movies. Speaking of that, I saw a, uh, Guy at the gas station with a T-shirt uh, that was like the cover of that movie, My Science Project. Do you remember okay. that movie? Yeah, it's another like sci-fi where like they find some alien technology and they like submit it as their like science project. <laughs> yeah. Which is like doesn't make any sense either because like okay, what is this? <laughs> yeah. But it's like another like time travel type thing. But like the, this guy had a T-shirt with that on, and I'm like, that is a very specific reference. <laughs> that maybe his dad was like the prop master for the movie. It's wow. some very very tenuous science fiction connection. Yeah. So, so do you think that like do you th so maybe Top Gun made some people join the Navy? I think. Do you think dreams made anyone join the Air Force? I, you know, in a nation of 300 million, there had to be somebody. There had to be at least one. I, it is a weird thing, though. Like, what was the thought process in the Air Force? That, like, we need to harness the rocking power of Van Halen to get people to sign up. I, that, did they have trouble getting people to join the Air Force? Like they just I don't seem... think so. I think like in the eighties, I think I think recruiting <laughs> was pretty solid across the board. I mean, jeez, show them a just show them a Iron Eagle. Yeah, which I, okay, another one. Like I would bet money that there were meetings with Air Force marketing people about 
No, we got to make the F-16 look like it really kicks ass. It's got to kick some serious ass. Yeah, but on the same token, like, kicks ass, but can be stolen by a pack of 15-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, you know, computers, they're scary. <laughs> One thing, um, when you were talking about science fiction movies, that actually reminded me, one of the weirdest things, the weirdest association I've got for 5150 is... Uh, there's a science fiction book that is just one of my favorite books um, in general called The Sparrow. And it's um, it's about, like, life is discovered on Alpha Centauri. And, um, you know, as everyone in the, as the world governments try to figure out, like, eh, what are we going to do about that? I don't know. Uh, um, a bunch of Jesuits just on their own are like, okay, fuck, we're going. We're going to go and we're going to. We're going to meet these aliens. And so the Jesuits travel to Alpha Centauri. And um, and the book makes this big point of um, when the Jesuits actually make contact with the aliens, they are playing 5150, and it's, it's the fitting music for humans to make first contact. And, like, I just, I think of that every time I listen to this album. Like, this is what we listen to when we meet the aliens. It's uh, there's also that scene in Back to the Future where uh, Marty right. McFly puts the headphones on his dad and cranks up the volume with the Van Halen tape and is yes. like, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that 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 that's a pretty good use of that song. That's pretty fantastic. well. It's a pr- it's a pretty cool like like because you can see the tape. It's like hand scrawled Van Halen on it. Like yeah, a, you know. So you asked earlier if I had seen Van Halen. And I did. And, like, one of the weird things about that show was, like, they would, like, they'd play a few songs, and then they would just park the show, like, four different times they parked the show so that each member could have, like, their solo moment. And, you know, like, the worst was Michael Anthony, because he would just, like, turn some echo thing on his bass and, like, hit it and go, like, donk, 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 and then he'd, like, brandish a bottle of Jack Daniels and drink it and then hit it and again donk 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 and then you know then they'd play a few songs then Alex came out and like beat the fuck out of his set and it was kind of cool and then play a few songs and Sammy came out and played um some fucking song about an eagle uh, and, and then like the, the the big like the you know the big climax solo thing was Eddie came out and played Eruption and it was really cool but it's also like how tired must that man have been of playing Eruption? You know, like... Yeah, I'm sure pretty tired. Um, I did... The The rumor is that that actually wasn't Jack Daniels. That What? Mike, that's that's what people say, that... Which is probably, probably good for his long-term health. I mean, probably. I mean... You know, at, at this point, he's he's somewhat ahead in the Van Halen tontine. So if you're, uh, I don't know, unless you're like Jacko Pistorius, like a bass solo is kind of. <laughs> one, one of the notes that I have that we didn't really like. At one point when we were talking about the band, I was going to uh, bring up the concept of if Mike Anthony is some kind of literal definition of replacement level. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, like, was the, wasn't there a thing when he got kicked out of the band that. Eddie Van Halen said he had to teach him all the parts before each tour. Yeah. And 
if that's true, that's pretty damning because those are not hard parts. <laughs> those are, you know, again, like if we're talking about parallels with ACDC, like another thing that both of these bands have in common is that they're both all guitar bands. You know, like the bass is just there to play quarter notes of so like bump, 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 bump. It's an and extension of the drum kit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I mean, like in both cases, that's, Anything more than that would detract. So, like, it's appropriate, but, like, nobody was going to see either band to, like, check out the kick-ass bass lines. Yeah, I mean, that it, bass is a kind of a hard instrument because, like, like a, a really good bass player is usually pretty subtle. Yeah. Um, but unless you're, you know, unless you're Les Claypool or something, then you're just, like... I don't even know. I don't even know what you're doing. Then, you're, then just, you're just introducing problems. You're just a you're just a carnival barker. Yeah, you're just come, come see the bass lead. <laughs> we, you know, even then, like Les Claypool, I'd never thought of this, but he's actually stealing a lot of Eddie Van Halen's tricks for the bass, like. Les Claypool is also all about, like, I'm going to hot rod my pickups to the point where, like, I just have to touch a string to get a noise, and I'm going to be tapping the shit out of them. Like, he really is just kind of stealing Eddie Van Halen's techniques and making them dumber on a bass. Yeah, I mean, I, no one needs. like, uh, having seen Primus in concert, I can attest that it's really cool for about four minutes, and then you're just like... Next, <laughs> I have sat through a Primus cover band. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, where do you find the basis for a Primus cover band like that? They had to find two bassists for a Primus cover band because wow. that's how good Les that's how good Les Claypool is. It takes two people to it takes twenty fingers to to replicate what he's doing. It's like, uh, it's like, yeah, I'm starting my own morphine cover band. Does anybody know a baritone sax player that's interested <laughs> in playing alt rock? And who's depressed? Oh, um, so we're kind of, you know, kind of wandering. I, I feel like maybe, I don't know that I've got that much more to do. On yeah, no, I, th- I think I've, I think I've hit all the notes. If you were gonna pick a favorite song, would you? Is there one? Yeah, um, what would I pick? Well, I can't pick dreams because I just shit all over that one. Um, what what did I say? Oh, I did. Ha- I did come up with a a couple alternative titles to some of the songs. What do you got? Um, let me scroll up to the top here. Oh, so I would probably so like why can't this be love? Like I feel like it should just be called why can't this be synth? Like that's what. <laughs> Yeah. That's what they want. Like. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, like, what's the other one that I thought was? I thought Dreams, we could we could rename that like Return to Synth Island. <laughs> Man, so harsh on the synth. No, I like it. I actually do like it. I just, I, it, it just was really surprising to me that, like, I think of Van Halen as you know, like a guitar driven band. And a yeah. lot of these songs have a lot of really good guitar parts, but they also have this like really thick They're synthesizer. Very synthy. Yeah. And it's like, it is a really distinct, like you could tell 
Eddie had as firm opinions about synth tone as he did on guitar tone. I think I would probably like. I really like the guitar part at the beginning of Summer Nights. That's probably my. Yeah, I think Summer Nights would definitely be my my highlight pick too. I think that it's in the running for favorite Van Halen song in general. I think Panama is better, but it's still pretty damn good. Panama is pretty awesome because it's just like it's such a stupid song, like yeah. but it rocks. Yeah, like, that's that's their zone. <laughs> they are the fucking kings of that zone. It's like all we're gonna do is repeat the name of this country. <laughs> Oh, but there's there's the 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 monologue about how he, he's driving down the country road. Wow, lean down and eat his seat like he's insane, but it's awesome. No, it's great. It's a great song. It just is. I mean, it's just it's yeah. It's it has uh, nothing to a, do with anything. <laughs> It's like an abstract expressionist painting. There, the only meaning there is what you project on it. Yeah, it's it's totally. It's like uh, it's like Jackson Pollock or something. It's uh, yeah, I, yeah that's uh, funny. Uh, anything else on fifty one fifty? I don't think so. All right. Well, I will. I'll take us out then. Um, thank you for uh, for listening to us as we jot our way through this. Um, I am Keith Pilly. You can find me on Twitter at Keith Pilly. And uh, I'm Chad Cook. You can find me uh, at Cook6252 on Twitter. I should also mention that Keith will be hosting a new show on OAN <laughs> called Papa Trump is the Finest. <laughs> it's called Fuck You Yankee Blue Jeans with Keith Pilly. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how how long it would take me to get fired from OAN. I don't think it would take long. Um, on this show, if there's anything, uh, or bleh, we would love to hear from you if you have anything to say, uh, anything you like or didn't like. Um, I know I say this every time, but if you enjoyed this show at all, please tell people know about it. Or if you do go onto iTunes and leave a review, that influences their algorithms and sends more people to us when they go in and type what the best what's the best you got into the search bar um thanks and uh talk to you again soon when we dig into the next album